Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan and Mary. Wow, human beings, not human doings. I loved your story so very, very much. Hello, my favorite community in the whole wide world, <laughs> because it's my community. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Um, something that I have done in the past and that I haven't done for a while is just kind of have you guys check in with who I am. I like my earrings are Conscious Christmas bought. Um, I had to buy a pair for myself because they were just so cute. And I have a badass bracelet that was a gift uh, that I'm also wearing with my too pretty for prison coffee mug. Um, and then I have communion. And I hope you guys have your communion elements ready. But my communion elements, this glass is precious because it belonged to my mother. And the scarf that I am wearing that maybe you've seen me wear before because I have worn it a lot also belonged to my mother. And um, it felt really important for me to be surrounded by love and familiarity this morning because it's been a heck of a week, you guys. It's been a heck of a season. The past 10 or so months, a long and crazy road. You know, we began that the journey, the journey that we're still on, the journey of lockdown on March the 13th. Yeah, wow. And and that was the day that my life, as I had known it, loved it, lived it, it kind of ceased to be. So much change, lots of it, most of it I didn't like, all of it I didn't want. I love having people over to my house. I love being hospitable. I love cooking for people. I love loving them with food. I love Gemütlichkeit. That's a German word for like comfort with other people. Um, I love going out to meet with other people. I love coming to your house. <laughs> I love meeting you for breakfast. I love meeting for lunch. I love meeting for boba. I love coffee, but all of that has ended. That's all gone. Um, and most of the time I'm home, probably like you, most of the time I'm home alone, unless you want to count two white furry dogs. Um, and when I'm talking to people, it's always like this, an image on a computer screen. I've been alone a lot of the time and I have been silent and still more than I have for many years. But actually, I haven't always been still because stillness happens inside of us. So I've been planning to talk about stillness and about being still. But then last Wednesday happened and I sat in front of the television set and I watched what was going on in our nation's capital. And I knew that I could not stay silent, that we, the church, the ecclesia, those called out ones, we biblically, we have no choice. We must speak out against injustice and oppression. 
that attempted violent and ugly takeover of our Capitol building is really only the latest in a long litany of dualistic thinking turning into acting badly and now even violently, that thinking that says, I'm right and you're wrong. In fact, I'm so right that I can choose violence and even insurrection to prove my rightness. And this is not, you guys, I want you to hear what I'm going to say next, because this is really important. This is not about conservatives versus liberals. This isn't even about politics. This is about the way we think, the way we have chosen to live, us versus them, you versus me, me versus you. And sadly, this is not the way Jesus ever thought or lived his life. And we, this weird little community of Long Beach Christian Fellowship, we are called, in fact, we are mandated to live and love like Jesus did. And they will know that we are Christians by our love. And love means we do, do not, we do not tolerate violence and injustice. In fact, there are over 100 Bible verses where we are called to speak out against injustice. If you don't believe me, I want to challenge you. www.openbible.info forward slash topics forward slash injustice. You're going to find 100 Bible verses there. I want to be clear. My issue is not about people gathering. It's not about people marching or demonstrating for what they believe. That is their right. That is our right. And whether I disagree or agree with that is my right. I am called to love those with whom I disagree. To love even those that I would call my enemies. And love means that I do them no harm. Harm was done. And the name of Jesus was invoked in the doing of it. And we, we must speak up and out against that. I'm going to return to our scripture, which is the same one that Ryan just read. And I'm going to read to you again from 1 Kings chapter 19. Then he said, and we all know that he is God. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. He wrapped his face. He couldn't look and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? We're ending the story there. Guys, this is the only place in the Bible where God speaks in a whisper. Hmm. Consider that. In other places, he does use whirlwinds, earthquakes, thunder. He speaks through the prophets, 
through the writers of scripture, through the Bible. He speaks through Jesus. He speaks today. <laughs> and I could go on in all the different ways that he speaks to us today. I specifically most hear God through you guys, through people, people in my life. The point I want to make here, though, is stillness. It's our stillness, our posture of stillness that allows us to hear God no matter how loudly or quietly he is speaking. And I have wondered, especially in this season, these last 10 or so months, if my own lack of stillness gets in the way of my hearing what it is that God wants me to hear. I've heard God in the past, for sure. I've heard him clearly. Remember, I told you guys a story not that long ago about uh, being at Angel Stadium for a Christian event and really almost hearing God's voice. I mean, I think I did. And he said, I will restore your family. And I have to trust that those were his words, and I have to believe that. And even though I have not seen that, it has not occurred, at least not in the way I would want it to occur. And then another way that I heard his voice is many years ago, I was doing a teaching to a group of women that was like a testimony teaching. And I was talking about myself, that I am illegitimate. And then all of a sudden, this came out of my mouth. It was not scripted. Bastard. That's the name I called myself. Starts with a B. It has seven letters. But my name is Barbara. Starts with a B and it has seven letters, but it means alien and stranger. But Jesus calls me beloved. It starts with a B and it has seven letters. And in speaking that to those women, I heard God. And for the very first time, I could avail myself of my own belovedness. And then there was the time when I used to be a bank manager <laughs> and I quit my job and I can remember the sadness of having to give up my business cards, you guys, because they said vice president. And if you have a business card that says vice president, then it must mean that you're legit, right? That you're worth something, that you're important. And oh my gosh, if it didn't say vice president, who was I? So I started asking God, what are my giftings? Give them to me. Give me gifts, Lord. Give me identity. And slowly, through many voices, I heard God speaking to me, saying, your gifts are the same, Barb. Who you were as a bank manager is who you are now. I'm a pastor who is a bank manager, who is a child, who is a woman. <laughs> and I'm going to go back and say one more time. Well, I might say it more than one more time. But being still is so very different from being silent or in silence. So Walter Brueggemann, an amazing, an amazing man and pastor and teacher and theologian, wrote this book called Interrupting Silence. Here it is right here. And I've had it for a while. Um, and somehow on Wednesday, I felt the need to look it up and just check it out again. And in it, he says this. Silence is a complex matter. It can refer to awe before unutterable holiness. Think of Elijah having to cover his face at the sound, the whisper sound of God's voice. But silence can also refer to coercion. 
when some voices are silenced in the interests of controlling those voices by other more dominant voices. Think our parents, our spouses, our friends, our pastors, our bosses, our governors, etc., etc., etc. Anyone that we give authority to can maybe coerce us into our voice being silent. And there is this silencing even by those in power in the church that Brueggemann calls toxic silence. But that other silence, that awe before unutterable holiness kind of silence, that's called contemplative silence. And we are a community that is contemplative and charismatic. And we are called into contemplative silence. Be still and know that I am God. For God alone, my soul in silence waits. We are at the same time called out of toxic silence. So when something needs to be said, particularly if it makes our voice shake, God asks us to say it. God asks us to speak. But we can't hear the ask if we can't be still. This is liberating, though, because God doesn't just ask us to speak, but he promises to be with us as we speak out for justice and against oppression. Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you, but I think I have because you've heard from me lots. But um, I was one of the shyest kids you would ever meet. I was a very shy teenager. I was a very, very shy young adult. And this whole business of being a bank manager caused me to have to be um, involved with the community. And I remember my first time I was at this Chamber of Commerce meeting and I sat down at this chair at a big round table and whoever was in charge of the meeting said, well, we're all going to go around and give our names and where we work. And I moved into a full-blown panic attack, no lie, because I could not speak in front of other people. And when it came my turn, I probably sounded, I don't know, weird, very weird for sure. <laughs> it was all I could do to get it out. But I had to do that over and over and over after that. I actually learned to speak. I found my voice through years and years and years of practice. So both silence, stillness, and speaking out are essential elements of the fully rounded Christian learning to live and love like Jesus. But then how do we know when to speak and when to keep silent? I mean, James says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Amen to that. Most of us, though, probably prefer one to the other. And wherever we are most comfortable for me now, that is actually speaking out. We need to work at cultivating the other side of that, the stillness side, the stillness. And in the same way that I learned to speak through practice, through practicing, I am still wanting to learn how to be still. Again, when should I, when should we speak? We speak whenever there's something that needs to be said. We speak whenever we encounter that toxic silence, the kind of silence that God wants us to interrupt. And we know he does because we've been still enough to hear him yelling at us. Sometimes we're even called to speak out to our family and friends and loved ones. And I would 
say that that often is the hardest audience of all. Um, it's really interesting, the word still, the Greek word is hezukatso, or however you say that. And aside from it meaning silent, quiet, resting, like Mary taught us, it also means to cease from altercation. That means I don't need to respond in kind. When you call me a name, I don't need to call you one back. I don't need to say my piece. I don't need to be right. I don't need to come against or fight with. And mentally, it means that I get to silence the fear. Outwardly, it clashes with talkativeness, specifically my inherent talkativeness. Maybe that's why stillness doesn't come so naturally to me. And the Hebrew word is even better, you guys. It is kasha. And it means not only calm, but it's also refraining from needing to give an answer, to not have to respond. It means to hold the peace. You guys, blessed are the peacemakers, the words of Jesus. And in doing so, as we hold the peace, as we make peace, we calm others. And I love how this word sounds like shushing, you know, like hush, like when we shush someone, when we hold a little baby and we shh, 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 and that baby is calmed by the sound that comes from us, but also by our presence. And God says he will be present with us. Sometimes we're called to that form of stillness, the silent stillness. But let's get back to Elijah. He was being chased by Jezebel, who was a queen, and she was out to kill him. And he was on the run. He ended up in a cave on the side of a mountain. He was like being fed by birds. But God, do you think he was still, by the way? I think he was not still. I think he was like tense as all get out. God says, come out, risk, get out of the comfort place, get out of the hiding place, stand on the side of the mountain and wait for me. Be vulnerable, trust. Where's your hiding place? Where's mine? Maybe that's just another place where we cannot hear God. God will not be heard when we expect to hear him in unique and sensational places. But I think when we are finally still enough within our own hearts to hear the whisper or the shout, once again, we have to cover our faces with the holiness of it. And he always asks us that question that he asked Elijah. What are you doing here? Where are we called? Where are we? Why are we here? Can we answer that question? Can we answer that question? Why are we here? You know, um, Whenever I dance with John, he says, he says this to me, let me lead. <laughs> and then I don't. But if I were to take a dance lesson, because I know this because I have many friends that are dancers, leading is not something that's loud and forced. It's like just a little a touch on an elbow, a change in a direction of the body. It's barely perceptible unless we're waiting for it. 
being still is like that. It's like dancing. We have to practice it. We have to practice the stillness so that we can hear the direction change. But we are a population of people, at least I am, who like, we like to fix things quickly. We like to get things checked off our list. We're so used to running that when we're asked to come to a stop, to rest, to selah, it's really hard to obey. And ultimately, being still is about obedience. Again, stillness and silence, two different things. Being still might be what God needs us to do when we aren't listening to him or feel that we can't hear him, but being silent is something we choose. Because sometimes, guys, for sure, stillness and listening are best instead of reacting right away. Barbara Holmes says this, an ontological silence can occupy the heart of cacophony, the interiority of celebratory worship. So basically what she means when she says that is, it doesn't matter how loud the outside is, we can still be still. And in the same way that God speaks gently to us. May we speak gently to one another, even in instances like Wednesday's insurrection in our capital. Bottom line, our contemplative silence, our stillness, and our speaking are acts of resistance. They're not the only acts of resistance, but they're godly resistance. And they're actually necessary for us to hear God. Um, let's look at some Psalms here. And I, I just have a couple things to say about the Psalms. Because David was on the run for his life when he wrote most of them. He was in a hard place. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. 37. Be still, be patient, expect the eternal to arrive and set things right. 46.10, be still, be calm, see and understand I am the true God. And then 62.5, my soul quietly in stillness waits for the true God because I hope only in him. So these were my thoughts when I like read the Psalms. It's like, God restores us. He takes us to restful places. He asks us to stop. He speaks Selah. We need to expect Shalom, that he is in the process of making all things right and that there is only one God, not all the idols that we put in his place. And in the particular psalm where the command is be still, Ah, oh, man, David was in a hard, hard place. He was in a time of trouble, like we are. And we need to consider really all of these verses with that context that um, we're called to stop striving, to stop fighting, to acknowledge who God is. There's hope in the waiting. Verse after verse, God's word reminds us of God's 
promise of peace and protection, of rest, refuge, when we are in the storm, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're in a COVID lockdown, when our capital is being overrun, when we need comfort, when we need to be shushed from our own circumstances, our own distress. And let's hop to Jesus. <laughs> he tells the wind and the waves, peace be still in Mark 4:39. He's in the boat, you guys. He's sleeping. They're on the Sea of Galilee, this band of disciples. The wind and the waves, they're storming all around. And they're saying to him, do you want us to die? How can you be sleeping? And he gets up and he says, peace, be still. Who's he talking to? We know from the text that the waves and the wind listen and they calm down. But I have a sense that what he was saying was for the disciples and that he says that to us today in our circumstances, in the craziness of life. And we have a video that we're going to play for you guys right here. Benton Stokes and Tony Wood wrote a song, and here's two of the little verses from it. Sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered, peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. 
And I would add that at other times he asks us to interrupt our silence and speak out what we believe is true. We do this for the sake of love and unity to bridge the divisions with respect and with trust, with stillness of heart, knowing that Jesus is the one who holds all things together. And being still does not mean don't move. It means move in peace, says Ian Gardner. Before I end, I want to return again to last Wednesday. This was a hard day, and it was hard to watch. And the images kept appearing everywhere. There has been, and there will continue to be, I hope, calls for peace and unity. But peace is not silence. And unity is not silence. And both can really only be had by us if we know how to be still. And then we, the church, we have to speak. We have to name things for what they are. We have to change ourselves. We have, we have to change how we relate, how we interact, respect one another, and our differing opinions, and how we love each other. We have to become Ecclesia, a different kind of people. The answer is not superficial unity. We can be made whole, but not without a path. And the path is always the same. We repent. We acknowledge the pain. We lament. We mourn. We renounce. And then we restore. And this is the doing part of the music that Mary talked about. And we do the work to even grow ourselves, to educate ourselves, and then we reconcile. And we learn stillness through practice, and that practice is the contemplative part of us here at LBCF. You guys, in our newsletter weekly, Sam has provided us contemplative practices that if we were to actually practice them, we would find ourselves much stiller. And we're going to practice when now as we enter into a time of communion, one of the ways that I still myself is with something called the prayer of examine. And I do this a lot at night as I am falling off to sleep. And I do it in my head. And I just ask myself some questions. And right now, I'm just going to ask wherever you are, be comfortable. Um, get your communion elements if you don't have them yet. You've already seen that I have my mother's wine glass and a piece of a loaf of bread. And so I am ready to take communion with you. But before we take it, we're going to examine ourselves because scripture actually asks us to do this as well. So get into a comfortable position. Maybe open your hands, close your eyes, put your hands in your lap, whatever it's going to take for you to, um, to hear, to still yourself to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And Father, um, join us in our homes, Lord. So we're going to begin by just becoming aware of God's presence. And I'm going to invite us to just look back on the events of the days of this past week. But look back on them in the company of the Holy Spirit, knowing that God is with us. Maybe it feels confusing, jumbled, blurry. That's okay. Ask God right now to bring clarity and understanding to that. And then next, just review those days with honesty 
and with gratitude, even for the things that weren't so good. Gratitude and honesty are foundational to our relationship with God. Look at the work you did, the people you interacted with. What did you receive? What did you give? Did you speak when you were called to? Were your body, your mind, your heart able to be still? Pay attention even to the small things because God is in the details. And right now, pay attention to your emotions. <laughs> Reflect on the feelings that you're experiencing. Is it, are you bored, elated, resentful? Do you feel compassion or anger or confidence? What's God wanting to say to you through those feelings? He might be showing you some ways that you felt short this past week. Maybe make a note mentally or write down. Confess those things to God. Where were you silent? Where did you speak out of turn? Choose one feature that's rising up in you and pray about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you. Even if it seems insignificant, pray about it. Allow that prayer just to rise from your heart. Whether it's praise, repentance, gratitude. And then look towards tomorrow. Ask God to give you light for all the challenges that will come in this next week. Again, pay attention to the feelings that surface. Ask for stillness. Practice it. Allow whatever rises up to turn into prayer. Ask for help. Pray for hope. And now we're going to put a slide on the screen of 1 Corinthians 11. And I'm going to ask that you read this with me. On the same night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread in his hands. And after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Keep doing this so that you and all who come after will have a vivid reminder of me. And then after they had finished dinner, he took the cup. And in the same way, he said, this cup is the new covenant executed in my blood. Keep doing this. And whenever you drink it, you and all who come after have a vivid reminder of me. Every time you taste this bread and every time you place the cup to your mouths and drink, you are declaring the Lord's death, which is the ultimate expression of his faithfulness and love until he comes again. Examine yourselves first. Then you can properly approach the table to eat the bread and drink from the cup. And so, family, LBCF, let's partake together in stillness and not in silence. And holy God, you who call us out of our hiding places, you who call us to stillness, but not to silence, you who cause us to speak, to love. Thank you for feeding us 
with spiritual food. Amen and amen.